Hey guys, Scott here and I'm back with another episode of the SBL podcast. But before we even get into this, I've got to give you a, a behind the scenes, well I can't give you a glimpse, but at least an audio glimpse into what we've got going on in the studio today. In a nutshell, a couple of days ago we had a humongous flood in the studio where I would estimate like 10 baths worth of water um, was poured onto the floor. So Gav, Gav, oh we've switched it off haven't we Gav? We've been sucking water off the floor with this power hoover thing. What's it called? A vax? Yeah, we're sucking it out. And well, Gav's been sucking it out. So <laughs> there you go. I've been, I've been there in spirit. Anyway, let's go on with this uh, this week's podcast. The Darkness. I hope you guys have heard of The Darkness, right? The band, The Darkness. They're epic, right? Well, The Darkness are back with a brand new album called Pinewood Smile, which is out next month on Cooking Vinyl. It's the band's fifth record since they made the uh, the first debut album back in 2003, which was called Permission to Land. And the single, you may have heard it before, it's called I Believe in a Thing Called Love. Now, I've got to tell you guys, I was <laughs> I was thinking about this tune. I was like, I believe in a thing called love. And I was like, do you believe in love? I was like, no, that's wrong. So it's not, who did that? Yeah. Share. Yeah, it's not share. It's I believe in a thing called love, not I believe in whatever share was singing about. So the new album, it was produced by Grammy Award winning Adrian Bushby, who's worked with the Foo Fighters and Muse and dudes like that. And they've got a brand new member in this album as well. Rufus Tiger Taylor. Yes, I'll just say that again because it's an epic name. Rufus Tiger Taylor. I do think I should be called Scott Leopard Divine. But anyway, but Rufus is son of the Queen legend Roger Taylor. And uh, Rufus is playing drums on the album. And it seemed like, obviously, it was high time we caught up with bassist Frankie Poulain to find out all about the new album and what lies in store for the upcoming tour. So I'm going to hand over to Nick and Frankie Poulain. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the SBL Podcast, here today with Frankie from The Darkness, who are this killer rock band from here in the UK. How's it going, Frankie? Good, thank you. Very good. Just good. got back from my personal trainer. You were saying, I've just been, yeah. uh, just been crucified. I've been on the cross for uh, one hour. So you're trying to keep yourself in good shape? You're getting ready for the tour, right? Yeah, well, I turned 50 recently. Quite happy to admit that, you know. Looking um, great. Well, I have to say, I'm really enjoying being 50. 40, 30, there was worries there. 40 was just a complete existential uh, crisis, dread, mortal fear, mortal dread. 50, I just don't get it anymore. It's such a great feeling. I feel liberated. I feel like I was always supposed to be 50. Yeah. You know, I feel like there's an age that suits everyone. I don't want to sound smug. If that sounds smug, I'm sorry, but I feel good anyway. Uh, Anything could happen. Tomorrow I can drop dead from a stroke. Who knows? But you put the effort in today. So that's the main thing. Yeah, I'll have a little smile on my face if I do drop dead. <laughs> um, so the darkness are back with a new album. That's what we're here to talk about, man. Pinewood Smile. Tell us about the album. First album with Rufus Taylor on drums. Enjoying playing with him. He's um, oof, virile, muscular, blonde. The Rufus Funny is, guy is well. um, Roger Taylor's Funny son, guy. right? I read in the press release. Is he? He never told me that. So it says in the press release, man. Jesus. He kept that quiet. Jesus. <laughs> I thought there was something about him. He looked familiar, you know? Yeah. I couldn't quite work out where it was. Makes sense now. Um, he's good. I feel very privileged to play with him. Jesus, I can't believe I'm pinching myself. Yeah. A bloody um, a Luddite chancer like me uh, on stage with that guy, yeah. 
said band is sounding good he's sounding good that's for sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> powerful and he's got great voice as well he's very modest about it he's got a lovely warm uh, warm uh, timbre to his voice and there's a couple of duets with Justin on the album with him and Justin right my personal two favourites on the album oh what's those but of course they're not going to be singles because uh, people always uh, make the wrong choices with singles. There, I said it. What are your favourite tracks? I, mean, I, I know best and no one listens to me. You know, that's what it's like being <laughs> in a band. But that's, that's, that's what every band member thinks. Um, what did you say? Sorry, what was that last question? Yeah, the favourite tracks. What are your favourites? Um, Why Don't the Beautiful Cry? Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful um, duet between Justin and uh, Rufus. It's the most soulful thing we've ever done. And of course, White Soul is something uh, which is just horrific crimes to music have been committed in the name of White Soul. So uh, but I've always thought Justin, there's, there's definitely Justin has got some funky kind of thing going on. You know, he's definitely got, there's something black in Justin. It really is, you know, because he's animalistic and he's very in touch with his feminine side. And there's, there's something feral about Justin. So, um, I, I've always thought that uh, there's a little side like that. I mean, I'm a huge Marvin Gaye fan. Um, recently been listening to Hear My and I just can't get enough of that stuff. It's just unbelievable. Um, and of course, I've always loved what's going on and uh, parts of Let's Get It On as well. I want you. So to me, it's great that we're venturing into soul territory. Um and then there's another, which is probably the last thing that our rock fans want to hear, but them, you know. Hugh, <laughs> open your mind. Absolutely. And then yeah. there's also, and then, and then there's also a track called Stampede of Love, which is, uh, I would say, borders on the genius because it's walking the line, walking the line between, um, oh, it's very sweet and warm, compassionate, by two people falling in love. But then because of the nature of the song, some people might think it's fat shaming. Okay. And I think just, I think Justin walks the line so well because uh, there's a humor to it, but it's a fond humor. Um, I guess he's ventured into that territory before with uh, Dinner Lady Arms, which um, sounds like crude way of describing like a woman's arms, but it's actually done in a very fond way. It's saying that he will love this woman even when she um, has a dinner lady, her dinner, dinner lady arms. So when did this album begin for you? When did the writing start? A while ago. It was um, Alicante. Two summers ago in Alicante, the process started. Am I doing my calculations right? Yeah, it was. It's crazy. Two summers ago, we went to Alicante. Uh, just when Rufus joined the band for that festival season, he joined, I think, um, just a month or two before. So he's been in the band two years. And then we went on this... Um, we had a heavy metal festival in Spain and we went there a week early and went to Alicante and did an Airbnb. And it was a complete disaster because uh, it was a con, this Airbnb. And we were actually sharing this pool with other people. There was three houses around the pool. We thought it was one house in the pool. So we never even had privacy. And we had to do uh, um, write these songs and have play music late at night, blasting away in our guitars and everything in this house with other houses next to us. It was horrific. So, so then we waited. So then we got pissed off and then just had a bit of a holiday on the beach. And then on the last night, we all got stunned and just uh, improvised. And we came up with some great ideas. 
uh, one of the bonus tracks on the album is basically um, from there, you know. Um, we, we just improvised a track called Rack of Glam, which is uh, Justin's ode to the um, female uh, mammary glands. Mm-hmm. Rack, of, rack of Glam. It's all about man's relationship. It's quite Freudian. Man's relationship with uh, uh, the best, just how ridiculous it is, you know, how we're so beholden to, to, to these things, you know. It's the the trick that nature plays on us. And then what happened next? When did you get into the studio? Uh, the studio uh, didn't happen for quite a while after that. We did obviously the pre-production. That's Dan recording us on his um, equipment, which gets up to a pretty good level, I've got to say, because Dan obviously produced our previous two albums. So we got to level with that, and then we decided to bring in, um, just for a change, to let Dan just be more creative and be less stressed out, we brought in Adrian Bushby. Right. Bushby. Yeah. Who has worked with a lot of um, big rock yeah. bands. And He's worked with has a gr- before, right? And yeah, he has a great CV. So it's exciting yeah. working with him. What was that like? Yeah. What did he bring to the mix? Enthusiasm. Boyish enthusiasm. For a guy who's done a lot of work, he's just so boyish and so positive. He has such a... Um, Lovely temperament, lovely person. Running in the morning, every morning running with Justin and Dan. I would try and keep up with those guys, but those guys are just on a different level. They're doing like 10, 13K runs every morning before recording, every morning. Wow, yeah. Yeah, full on. And so how did you find it in the studio with the new producer then? Well, we recorded the backing tracks live. Myself, uh, Dan and Rufus just um, plowing away live. That was tough. Um, but obviously with Rufus there, we, we could we could do that, you know. Um, so we did, uh, yeah, there's backing tracks live. Um, pretty much every one, I think. Um, I might have overdubbed. I might have just, except for maybe one of the bonus tracks that was called Seagulls, um, I did the bass in the control room, but everything else was done just uh, standing on one side of Rufus and then Dan was on the other, right in front of my aunt, you know, oh, blasting amazing. away. I, do you think that's something that it's just really seems to get lost a lot in modern music? That people aren't playing live as much. In that yeah, kind of way. But, yeah, it just gives a different energy. I think you can hear the energy, hopefully. Um, I think you can also just, tell when a band have had just that kind of eye contact when they're recording. Yeah, exactly. You can just tell. Yeah, I mean, um, it's just crazy how things become so grid, so gridded and mathematical. It's just yeah. horrific, you know. It's just ridiculous, you know, because um, it is about hearing the personalities and the way people play. You know, the contrasting personalities of the people. You can't hear that. It's all just matched up. You might as well just be a corporate robot. That's what it is. It's the equivalent of of the corporate robot businessman. That's what musicians are like now. Robots. Depressed robots, like the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. How have your kind of influences changed over the years? Do you think? I've always been into like emotional music. You know, music. Um, uh, well, that sounds silly because all the music is emotional, but um, really expressive um, Emotion. I mean, for example, I like Come Down albums, you know. Mm-hmm. Like with Bowie, I like Hunky Dory. With Neil Young, I like Standing on a Beach. With Lou Reed, I like uh, Berlin. 
I like come down albums, you know, when people are really exposed and um, I like a bit of desperation and struggle when it comes to uh, music, books, movies. Must be my French side. Was there anything in particular that you had in mind when you went in to write it? What kind of frame of mind were you guys in? Was there any kind of direction? Uh, the album? Yeah, was there any kind of direction uh, you wanted it to take? Just came back to a sense of fun, just having a laugh. Yeah. Um, pushing ourselves, having a laugh, getting out of the comfort zone. We always try to get out of the comfort zone, challenge ourselves, um, and not obviously just resort back to that Queen ACDC thing. And, uh, mm-hmm. um, adventures, adventures and um, kind of rock wonderland, you know? That's, that's what we're all about, you know? Um, irreverence, you know, that's always been there in every album we've done. Um, it's hard kind of um, being enthralled to the power of rock music and half laughing at how ridiculous it is too. Uh, and it's walking that line. And um, yeah, obviously I'm being bewary of pastiche. But you know, no one's ever sued us or said that our song is uh, the same as, um, you know, people say Queen ACDC, blah, 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 rip off, whatever. But no one's ever actually pointed out um, a song of ours which actually rips off another song. So I think we're... we're we're proud of our songwriting. Occasionally for fun, we do something like on Open Fire, and Dan just directly references uh, Billy Duffy's guitar sound um, on Chisel Sanctuary. And so then people say, oh, it's a, it's a cult rip-off. But then the actual part that Dan's playing is completely different to uh, the part that Billy Duffy played. And it's actually Dan's guitar part was, is uh, brilliant on uh, Open Fire. Um, and then obviously to push him more, Justin sings completely in character. It doesn't sound like Justin at all. Mm-hmm. So we set ourselves challenges all the time. And then obviously on the last album, I sang a song, which was a massive struggle. Um, and it's obviously uh, warts and all, you know. So it was the previous album we're talking about, La- uh, last, yeah. last of Our Kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in this album, we take Rufus out of the camera zone. He's really, ner- you know, already he's got the stress of doing his first darkness album. And then we make him sing a couple of songs with us as well, you know. That's great, man. So that's been in the comfort zone. Uh, pin yourself in a really uh, we, we kind of dare each other you know and if someone um, expresses any um, tradition we uh, toss these imaginary um, chicken feed chicken seeds at the feet and start making clucking noises you know? <laughs> just like locker room stuff how important is that locker room stuff when you're a band on the road and the expectation of putting out new music all the time and touring that's a very good question and um it's a very important part of it. I'm surprised people don't mention it more often. It's a huge part of it. Huge. Uh, there's no way we can make the music we make um, if we didn't have that. Um, you have to take the piss out of yourself, each other. Uh, you just have to, because otherwise you become um, poor-faced mm-hmm. and uh, cardboard kind of pro tools to hell just robotic rock music it's just terrific you know there's got to be some life in it and some sense of uh, fun You've got to put yourself in a position of danger somehow you know because uh, otherwise um, it's just dying isn't it rock music is just I mean the uh, rock and roll is dying for sure so that's why live it's just always just the four of us warts and all you know Dan tries to cover two parts a lot of the time. Thankfully, he's technically a great guitar player, so he's able to, to do that a lot of the time. And he spends a lot of time in his guitar sounds as well. He's got a huge rig. 
personally, I um, I'm using the high watt, which I love. Oh yeah. Um, and also um, the high watt speaker went missing at festival two years ago, so I've been trying to replace it, and I couldn't because it's very hard to get hold of high watt speakers. High watt have gone out of business, I think, haven't they? Yeah, they've kind of backfired a bit. Yeah. So I found I went to this um, the shop that second-hand shop um, up next to um, Highgate Tube. Mm -hmm. This is a second-hand guitar shop, Wild Guitars, I think it's called. Um, and um, they had like a really old uh, Ampeg rig there, and they sold me the uh, speaker. Um, apparently, it had been played by Genesis, really old wood. And that goes so beautifully uh, with the um, high-wire head. It's like a beast. It just sounds... It's, um, um, so I'm really happy with the sign now with the old 90s Thunderbirds. Yeah. Got a couple of old 90s Thunderbirds. I think they're really nice to give some Thunderbirds from the 90s. Um, and uh, it's just got that balance right with the power mm -hmm. that was in, that was introduced around then. But then, you know, the wood now is old enough, so you've got a bit of character as well. Sure. So they sound great with the high watt head and the MPEG speaker. It's just really, I'm happy now. I don't really need any effects or anything. Have you always had a very clear idea of how you want your bass to sound? No, not at all. I've, I've never had a clue. I'm clueless. Uh, and also, there's a tone hammer too. The tone hammer squeezes it a little bit. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know those pedals? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I think they're quite... Uh, a lot of people use them probably yeah, now, don't yeah. they? Yeah. Um, so, have I had a clear idea? No, but I, what I realise is that I like an ugly sound. I like it to sound ugly and just a bit pokey. Uh, that's what I've realised, you know, um, it should be a bit pokey and uh, have a kind of something that rears its ugly head a little bit, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and I find the high watt gives you that, you know. Just a bit Not, Nothing quite, yeah, nothing quite gives you that high watt sound, that bloated kind of particular kind of sound, you know. Uh, orange comes close, I think. Orange is nice as well. Yeah, they make some um, nice stuff. Yeah. But the high watt in particular has something which... Um, I just can't resist. What bass players do you look up to or have you looked up to during your career for? I just like to keep things basically, you know, I'm not the kind of guy who studies uh, other bass players. Okay, cool. I just like to kind of feel it and just do it and uh, not overthink it too much. So you don't, you don't spend hours practicing at home? No, I think you can probably tell, you know. <laughs> But I think sometimes it's nice to be that way. Sometimes, yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, sometimes nice to have, you know, that kind of almost innocence in the plane. You know, I kind of like it, you know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I take that a bit too. Maybe I take it a bit too far, you know. I look back sometimes and think, okay, I took it too far on those tracks. But it's still quite demanding, the bass parts, I think. Especially keeping up with the guitars. Some of them. I think it's... Um, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, different. sometimes... Yeah, sometimes just the stuff like... Um, you know, the pedaling is the hardest, really. Uh, the hardest thing to get right, I think, you know. Um, open fire, for example. I mean, that's actually tougher than people think. It's okay to do it, but to do it kind of and have, have a kind of... a power and something that sits in there is kind of... It's tough, you know. Yeah, I find it tough, I know. Absolutely. No, I think you're doing a great job, man. I think it's, um, seriously, it does take some doing it. And it's so one of those things that without it, you really notice it. But when it's in, it just yeah, yeah, exactly. drives the whole track. 
Mm. So you guys are getting ready for a tour, is that right? You've got a big tour coming up. Um, launching the album, uh, album launch party uh, coming up uh, on a boat, I think, on the Thames in about three, four weeks. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the touring starts in Ireland in uh, October, I think. Um, and then we're through November in Europe and then uh, end, end of November in the UK and then December in the UK. 10th of December at the Hammersmith Apollo. Cool. Very nice. Can't wait. Maybe with a special guest. Ah, okay, cool. You've had Hopefully. some great special guests in the past. I remember you did a gig with, was it Brian May turned up to one show? You did a show? Yeah, Brian, Brian May did the Hammersmith Apollo with us. Um, he did three tracks with us. He loves bareback, one of our B-sides. It's just an instrumental, you know? Yeah. But he loves it. It's kind of because it's got that status quo vibe. Mm-hmm. It's Dan, you know, Dan loves status quo and he's got loads of status quo things going on. Dan. Um, but sometimes they're so tried that it's hard to make into a song, you know? So I guess bareback became um, just an instrumental with a very childish uh, title. And then um, he also played I Believe in a Thing Called Love With Us. And then we did Time Other Dan. Speaking of um, I Believe in a Thing Called Love, which was such a big hit, how does that affect the way you guys play it? Do you ever get tired of it or did it make you want to mix it up a bit or do you just fully embrace it and just go for it? Well, it's such a joyful, euphoric song. Yeah. Somehow you just never, you, you never get tired of it because the energy in it is so joyful. I mean, just to know she wasn't up at the time, that's the thing. So it's the quintessential darkness song. I hate to say, I know it's obvious to say that, but because... Um, he really meant it. It sounds ridiculous and tongue-in-cheek, but he actually meant it. Um, and, of course, he laid it on a bit thick, of course, with some of the uh, lines, but um, he felt it, and you can actually hear that in a way when he's screaming out the um, some of those hicks, and uh, you can really hear it, the joy in his voice. You know? um, and there you go, and that's the darkness, really, because um, it might sound ridiculous, but we mean it. And that's our take on, you know, but we're trying to tap into uh, what we think is missing or, and what we love. And I guess what Justin expresses very well, which is euphoria. Um, joy, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's hard to do and you can't fake it. If you do fake it, it just sounds awful. It's one of the worst sounding things ever. People pretending to be joyful, just horrific. So um, that's the challenge. So how will you spend the next month or two just getting ready for this tour? What's the, do you, how do you wrap your, ramp up for it? Do you take some time off or do you go back into the studio and rehearse more? Or? Yeah, I'm taking a bit of time off. I'm off on a short vacation now and then I'm back. Then I'll probably start playing a bit. Um, got myself a little Fender practice amp over here. Mm-hmm. I can show you that if you like. Yeah. And a little, because um, I've got my Gibsons and Lockup, I've got this uh, Epiphone. Um, which is nice, the Epiphone Thunderbird. It's a little practice one. I've got this Fender. You see that Fender? Um, it's called a Fender Rumble 25. Can you see that? Oh, yeah, yeah, got it. Yeah, you can see it? Yeah. It's a nice little thing there. And I've got my classical guitar that I got from Ecuador. The first one and the second one is the Gibson at the back, the Gibson Acoustic. Can you see that? Yeah, just go down a bit for us. Yeah. That's so it. that Gibson Acoustic uh, was a present from Universal Publishing when they signed us in um, 2003. Uh, that, that, that was the last deal that we signed. And by that stage, they, they knew that we were going to be a, a big band. 
um, so the publishing kept going up. I think we eventually signed for about best part of half a million, I think. And uh, we got one of these, we got a, a different Gibson acoustic H as a signing gift. Nice. That's cool. So I was really pleased about that. This is the Action Frankie calendar. Can you see that? Yeah. Uh, it's Action Frankie is this uh, doll that um, one of our fans um, in Australia, she's called Amanda Forrest. She, uh, she oh, wow. has this uh, every day. She, um, well, most days she has a group on Facebook, Action, mm -hmm. uh, The Adventures of Action Frankie. And it's a doll version of me. It kind of hangs out doing different things with um, beautiful women, beautiful Cindy, Cindy dolls. And there you go. I'm even doing some, uh, what's that thing called again? When you fold paper into or, shapes? Origami. Origami there, yeah. Jesus. That's when we're going to be on tour, November 2013, origami. So you have a pretty good relationship with your fans then? Oh, incredible, yeah. Uh, they're just amazing. They really are. They're such nice people. Um, sometimes um, they don't invade the privacy as a rule, but occasionally they get excited when they've had a few drinks and they can do sometimes, but they're very sweet people. They're never nasty or weird. Um, very sweet, and I think they enjoy the... Uh, they really feed, uh, um, enjoy the positive energy of our music. You know, To them, it's um, something... Um, you can really tell it means a lot to them, you know. Um, I think what I'm proud of is that our music has a good influence on uh, people, um, a positive influence on people. Uh, it doesn't just give them a sense of consolation. It gives them, I think it inspires them and gives them positive energy. I know that sounds new age, but yeah, I can't think of a better way of saying it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find it harder to stay connected with the fans and with the ideas of what the band are about, the bigger you get. Not really, because the social media is all there, you know. Uh, I'm quite open on my personal Facebook page, you know. I can't answer all the mails I get, but um, if I think I can make a difference, I'll answer a mail to someone and offer some kind words if, if uh, someone's having a hard time, maybe. But you got to be careful in that situation sometimes. But sure. If, if you think it can make a difference... It's a good thing to do, I think. It doesn't cost you anything. This year has been very sad. Um, three of our super fans uh, passed away from uh, it's a combination of things, actually. One in a horrific accident in, in Edinburgh. Uh, was knocked down by joyriders and killed on the way home from work as a nurse. Right. That was awful. Going, going home to her five-year-old son. It was just so sad, you know. And then um, two... Two others passed away in, the, in um, health issues, just random health issues that didn't seem bad and then just became worse very, very quickly. Right. So we like to, uh, um, you know, these are people that you see uh, in the front row of gigs sure. um, time and time again. So, you know, you have a connection with them. Yeah, I guess we're, um, we're a cult band now. Anyway, coming back to that, sorry, I don't want to move on to seeing a couple of enough talking about people passing away, but it's, um, yeah, so it's been tough with those three tragedies happening. Yeah, I can imagine. Mm. Um, so just to finish off, what would you, um, what advice would you give to someone who's just starting out in their career, getting into um, life in a rock and roll band, playing bass? Playing bass, specifically? Jesus. 
well, don't listen to me. <laughs> or maybe just listen to me and you'll feel better about yourself, probably. <laughs> That's my advice. Okay. And then what message would you give to um, guys who are looking forward to hearing the new album and perhaps coming to see you on tour? Buy the album. Don't give money to the gangsters. And I think they know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to say the name because then I'll be just uh, chopping my own balls off. <laughs> Uh, there you go yeah alright Frankie well thanks a lot for hanging out today man really appreciate it and um, I it's been a up, pleasure talking to you it goes really well I'm looking forward to the tour and um, yeah we'll catch you again soon I enjoyed talking to you see you thanks Frankie thanks a lot Okay, guys, thanks again for listening to this week's podcast and a huge shout out to Frankie's Wealth, hanging out with Nick and giving him the full lowdown on what's going on with the upcoming tour and everything else that they spoke about. Um, if you haven't been over to scottsbassessons.com yet, do so. Obviously, we are the base school on the base school. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, we might be the base school online. I'm not sure there is any other base schools online, but if you've not been to scottsbassessons.com, shoot over there with your ultimate online base school we've got an amazing faculty we've got step-by-step courses we do live stream seminars every single week and i'd love for you to be a part of what we're doing Uh, and on top of that you can grab a 14-day free trial as well so you can take the entire platform for a test drive just to see if it's for you so go to scottsbassessons.com and check that out now other than that take it easy and i'll see you next week in the shed (laughs) 